All right, we're going to go Papa Bear on this. Let's just do it live. Let's do it live. Papa Bear. I don't know that reference. Oh, that's uh, Bill O'Reilly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know the Bill O'Reilly version. Yeah. <laughs> that's what uh, Stephen Colbert called him. He called him Papa Bear. Yeah. So, uh, I, I used to watch the Colbert Report, you know, once upon a time. Obviously, that's not a thing anymore. So, sadly, he is. That, the show's not with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish. It was a funny show. His talk show was not the same, but enough of that. Yeah, I'd probably catch, like, just in passing. I think, uh, but didn't it seem like Trevor Noah kind of stepped into that kind of yeah. type of work? He did. Um, he definitely did. And he's doing all right. He definitely hasn't recaptured the magic. Yeah. All right, one second. Let me write this thing. I'm going to see. Relationships. So, yeah. Um, but I think I was telling you before the show, I had some Chipotle. It was fucking amazing. And I even got to put all my hot sauce on it because I, I do all the sauces and then I put some Franks on it when I get home. Okay. So <laughs> I put my extra hot sauce on the Chipotle. I know that's considered tacky by some people, but, um, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, I, I could definitely tell you, um, and I know my goddaughters, uh, if they're already listening, I know they're laughing, but I carry some, uh, dry Thai chili in my purse and I put it on pretty much anything. (laughs) So whenever I go to Thai restaurant, I'm always asking for, Oh, can I get a little extra? And you know, just, uh, you never know when you might need it. Something's bland or (laughs) yeah. All right. Well, that's what's up. That's definitely dope. Sorry. Give me one second. Guys, we are, uh, give us a little bit here. I'm sharing the show out, getting some more people on board, you know, bringing in the live viewers. And we got to give folks a little bit of time to, uh, to, to, to join us here. And, uh, you know, that's frustration with doing this live sometimes. So just give me one second. Where else did I need to share this to? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, um, Robert, what's going on, bro? If y'all missed it, me and Robert did a dope-ass kickback session. Um, It was just me and him talking, nobody else. It wasn't even really branded men like us. It was just two brothers kicking it. And we talked about all sorts of things. (laughs) So that shit was straight up fire. Hey, what's up, Maddie? Thanks for joining us. Uh, a A recent visitor to Houston. (laughs) <laughs> okay one more sec i think i got it out wherever i needed to hold on one more yeah sorry this is it's so many fucking places to share this i got so many groups going on right now that's perfect though this message you know these messages need to be out there and, and meanwhile you're you know just pitching your spinoff show you and robert <laughs> yeah right it, it was dope and we're trying to actually um organize like a little community event trying to do like a little family um family reunion of sorts uh it's just an event that would bring people together yeah because there's so many elements that you know need to be addressed you know like there's a reason a different world you know spun off the cosby show right there was other there you go. topics so so that's a really good point. 
So, uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for yet another, another episode of the Men Like Us podcast. For those of you that are new to the podcast, this is a podcast made by men for men who date um, and marry women in the transgender community. Also for guys who are just plain old, just attracted to women in the community. So uh, this is a show that offers a unique point of view, the men's point of view. Um, We don't, I mean, good luck, get out there and search, but you're not going to find too many podcasts or platforms sharing the men's point of view, um, at least in when it comes to relationships with trans women and being open about their being open about attraction. So um, that's what this show is here for. The show is here to help men, help them start conversation, help them grow. Uh, today, we are helping everybody because I brought on my friend, marriage and family therapist, Lita Vala. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, definitely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Sorry, it's little kids walking by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big Chris is a sucker for kids, everybody. <laughs> I really am. I am. I, I, I um, definitely look forward to having a family of my own someday. So definitely look forward to that. But this is going to be a dope show, everybody. As always, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. Um, I, at the very least, will say, <laughs> I'm not going to speak for Alita, but I, at the very least, will say things how I see it, and I'm going to ex- be expressing some real fucking honest opinions here. So, you know, strap in and uh, uh, get ready for a ride. We are answering viewer questions about relationships. A lot of this stuff is general. Some of this stuff is specific to the trans community, Um but it will be all dopeness and really, really good conversation. So uh, we got a lot of questions lined up, a lot of questions. And I appreciate everyone out there for um, sending in your questions. Some of them, we can put all of them in, but we definitely got a healthy list. So um, before we get into the questions, I need to do a little bit of promotion, just a little bit. You know, um, I am here to help some of my sisters in the community. And one of them that I really fucks with is my homegirl, Ashley. She runs the Tea Time Network. Um, If you don't know, the Tea Time Network is just a a small, uh, from what I've seen and my experience with it, you know, she she does a lot of good work um, being like a kind of amateur journalist in a way where she's, you know, sharing videos and sharing stories and kind of just reporting what she's hearing out there on a lot of different subjects and it's very informative. I love keeping up with her with her Instagram account and her reports and watching her lives on Instagram. And she is actually um, fundraising right now. So, you know, they, they, she's actually trying to get a her own show back up and going. And I would love for everyone to file into this fundraiser, this GoFundMe account and help her out. So give me one second. There it is. So it is bring back the first trans women of color talk show. Um, support team ta- tea time. Um, Ashley Breathe, organizer. That's the homie. Um, that's I definitely support her and her, her channel and her mission. Um, she has been. I really just like her in general. Like she's been absolutely amazing and, and, and welcoming to to me whenever I've been in any spaces. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of times when I step into spaces of color, I really have to come in with my guard up waiting for somebody to strike. And she's been nothing but graceful and amazing. And I appreciate her for 
for having that patience and, and grace when it comes to trans amorous men. So, you know, I, largely due to that, I'm, I'm here to support her 110%. Everybody, please, please, please jump in this GoFundMe, donate, um, whatever, whatever you have, $20, $10, $5, whatever you have will help. So please go to the Bring Back First Trans Women of Color talk show on GoFundMe. If you can't find that on GoFundMe, go to the Tea Time. It's Tea Time Network on Instagram. The link is there. So um, that's all my begging and pleading I got for today. That's all the promotion I got for today. And, you know, we can jump right in to these um, questions. So, Lita, um, actually, I'm sorry, Lita, I want to give you an opportunity to really introduce yourself to everybody. Let them know who you are. Yeah. From credentials, all that, all that jazz. Have definitely, it. definitely. I'm going to give a concise, brief version because um, I welcome any of y'all want to reach out and contact me directly. Um, you know, I take on a lot, so I think I can take it. I can handle it. Um, but I am a woman of trans experience who also went to graduate school, got a master's level degree to become a therapist. And the title marriage and family therapist is just the title of the license. And I'm in the state of California and it allows me to practice. Um, so it's not just about marriage and not just about families. It's really about relationships and mental health and communication. Um, and yeah, I reached out to Big Chris uh, when I found out about the channel. Um, one of my goddaughters uh, put me onto the channel and um, was like, hey, near future, you know, maybe I could collaborate in some way to help out as you see fit. Didn't realize it'd be this soon, <laughs> but um, we hit it off, you know, a couple one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions and, and we tried to envision what would be helpful um, because for me, as a woman of trans experience, um, maybe a bit older than the demographics of uh, those who watch um, and listen to the podcast, just I've always been fascinated with, um, you know, men and how they reconcile the attraction and all the other obstacles um, that are environmental, you know, um, societal. And so I've uh, actually inspired me to do a, uh, a short film screenplay. And that launched into me working on a feature length and just my whole world has opened up in so many ways. Um, and in short, um, I'm very much about community. I'm very much about figuring out how healing looks like um, for those in the trans community of trans experience, um, whether binary or non-binary. Um, and I feel like that healing also applies to those who um, feel and experience love with us. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it at that and I'm sure you'll learn more about me over time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gonna learn some today. These questions are fire. So, all right, we'll move this around. So, okay, we're going to just jump right into it. Let's do it. Jump right into it. So, um, this was a young woman that asked a question. Mm -hmm. Shout out to her. I'm not going to name anybody who's asking the questions tonight. But she asked, why is it some people are stubborn and have an unwillingness to grow? Yes, uh, that is a great question. Um, because even the way the question is phrased, it sounds like it's being asked by someone who has grown, who has changed, who has um, experienced some shift, some evolution, you know, in, in terms of um, 
they can see a version, an older version of themselves, and they could see the the levels that they've, you know, they've, um, you know, kind of traversed in in terms of their growth. And and it also sounds like someone who might be about growth. Um, and, and I just want to put out, I guess, my trigger warning uh, for those is that I may misunderstand and misinterpret the questions on here. And if I do, feel free to ask again. But one of the things that I'm hoping and that this opportunity offers is that um, we all start to have better understanding of what our own needs are, you know? So while we ask about the question so that we have a partner, uh, a really important part of this is for us to be ready for a partner and, and to understand ourselves. And so this question right away strikes me as someone who has experienced growth. Um, and for someone who's experienced growth to witness others who might be reluctant to, or, you know, there's certain challenges, certainly sometimes it comes across as stubborn, you know, and again, I'm not here to determine if any one individual is being stubborn about it. Um, but the word unwillingness, I think is a really key part of this question, because one of the things that I've learned in working as a therapist is that people will really only change in therapy if they're willing to change, if they're wanting that change. And it's really important for them to not just want the change, but want the discomfort that comes with the change. Like, and I'm only speaking really of my style of therapy and how I offer healing. There are different modalities and different treatment models. But for me, it's really about, you know, being as authentic as possible and really, um, being honest with ourselves around a lot of things, which is one of the reasons therapy could be so difficult, you know, to really look at our truths. Um, Cause a lot of times they don't fit into all these different frameworks, whether society has given us, our family has given us, our friends. Um, and that could be hard and that could, you know, lead to other, you know, emotional distress, like feeling rejected or abandoned or any number of things. So I would say that um, there's a lot of reasons um, you know, I'm definitely one who, um, in my personal life, I'm told my therapist identity comes through sometimes too much. And I think that in my personal life, I've noticed that sometimes personal relationships, there's a disconnect or people distance themselves. And I really do feel that sometimes I tend to shine too much authenticity. I don't know. So I'm going to leave it at that. And one of the things, you know, Chris, I would love for you to also challenge some of the things I say, um, if at all, or follow-up questions, um, because I don't want to get too far away from the viewer questions. No, no, it's just the, uh, you know, I think um, this is a common experience, I, uh, especially in this space, at least for the men. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about romantic relationships. I'm really talking about familial relationships and relationships with our friends. Um, you know, sometimes men like to hold on to the certain concept of masculinity and they don't want to let it go. And it's like, no, nah, to be a man means this. And no, nah, see, I ain't fucking with all that gay shit over there and I'm not doing that. And it's just like their understanding of things just it doesn't progress because they've locked into this caveman old school. Like this is where I'm at and I'm not going anywhere now in terms of this relationship thing. I think it's really, uh, I don't know. I read it differently because I read it like for me and in relationship talk a lot of times when I'm in these conversations, a lot of things boil down to money and, you know, mm -hmm. being ambitious enough to get a new job, stop being complacent, 
and all of that stuff and grow and get your money up. And that's cool, but not every man is Jay-Z. And I look at this and I'm like, okay, well, on some level, your man is going to stop progressing and not everybody's going to have that killer instinct to be the CEO, the ruler of all. Like, not everybody has that drive. That's why not everybody's a CEO. And, like, I think that sometimes women need to be comfortable with a guy who is just who and what he is. I mean, it's it's like, well, I want that winner. I want that guy that's this. Okay, but not everybody's that. Not everybody is that. So, I don't know. That's how I'm seeing yeah. it. That's how I'm reading it. But that's just for my, you know, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, but but it's great because I love it how it actually inspires me to think of something else to mm-hmm. possibly introduce. And that is, um, and I think also a lot of people probably might, a lot of us might do this too, too much, but we might try to really inspire and motivate and maybe sometimes force someone to change. Um, and there is a, a thin line that I've experienced, um, and I can't speak on it in a romantic partnership, but with, um, I have some goddaughters who several trans women of color, um, and I know I could be a little too intense and push and encourage a little too much and have to really go at their pace. Um, but I think what it is, is, is really um, conveying messages of belief, like believing in people mm-hmm. and, and um, almost having that vision for them that maybe they themselves, it, it's tough for them to have that vision. Their life experience may not have, you know, really reinforced that. And, and I say that knowing that my own life experience growing up, like if I, if you were to go back in time and talk to the child version of me and told, and, and told her that one day this is who I'm going to be, I would never believe it. It's just impossible. Right. And so mm-hmm how to inspire, how to, you know, show that, you know, we, we have belief in someone. Um, mm. But again, only that, that can only go so far. And to your point, Chris, like there are people who like, that's just kind of who they are. And so is it possible maybe um, that's a sign that maybe this person isn't, person isn't for us at this time in their life? Well, I think it's a sign of, um, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to figure out a way to say this. But, you know. <laughs> oh, no. Um, sorry, my friend is sending me a message. I'm getting production notes. There you go. Um, no, I just think it's a sign of like, yo, it's not everybody. Not everybody gets the Jay-Z. Not everybody gets the CEO. Like, this person may be absolutely what you need. But for whatever reason, you feel like you you will only be happy with this when that may not be 100 percent true. And it's it's for me, it's more of like I'm looking at this and I'm just trying to gauge like where are your standards at and why are they this high or why are you so intense? Like your man has to be this, quote unquote, winner of sorts. Like. I don't know. I I mean, people things change, people change. But, you know, I guess at the end of the day. You get who you get, you know, this person is who they are. And like you were saying, like pushing somebody to be this big individual, you know, the exposure. And I'm just going to speak from just a black male standpoint. A lot of times, a lot of a lot of people in certain financial situations, certain environments, like they just don't know that there's better out there. They don't know that they could be this, this and this. Like they've never seen anybody do it. They can't model it. 
like for me, I couldn't model being uh, a trans amorous, openly trans attracted guy because I didn't I never seen anybody do it. I didn't even know this was something people were doing or people could do until I met my first friend. I'm like, oh, this could be my life. Oh, shit. OK, well, let me let me start to learn and, and learn from you and, and start to emulate a little bit. And I wish there were shows like this out there for me to learn from. But I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. I, I guess we went through a little bit. Uh, we went through the whole gamut of reasons why <laughs> some yeah. people are stubborn and unwilling to change. But, you know, um, if the person don't want better for themselves, you kind of just you can't make them. And I think there's another question kind of similar to this, because okay. amb- ambition is like a big deal with a lot of folks out there. Like they're really seeing a lack of ambition with their partners. And they're like, yo, why is this person not doing this? And I want them to be better, but they won't. Like it's, it's, it'll come up again. Just Definitely. previewing. So um, what is that? Oh, what does it mean if a man is unwilling to put bad habits aside momentarily to achieve goals? Okay. Okay. Uh, what could it possibly mean? Um, you know, I probably anticipate me saying it could mean a lot of things. Um, so the first thing I think about is, uh, the person who stated the question perceives the habit as bad. And so the question is, does the man perceive it as a bad habit? Cause even when I work in therapy, when we talk about, you know, my clients use language like bad and good. And I gently remind them that I'm going to use beneficial and detrimental or helpful and harmful because what's beneficial for one, you know, is detrimental for another. And we could see that all across America right now. I don't think I, need to say more than that to prove that. But um, really, in terms of does he see this as a bad habit, first of all, Um, then does he see this being connected to this goal? Right. But then even the goal, you know, uh, for instance, if the question was worded momentarily to achieve his goals, because Mm. it's if it's his goal, then he's already invested in it. And yes, his own bad habits can get in the way of his own goals. I have bad habits of my own that get in the way of my own goals. I know those things and it's tough to work through. Um, There could be a lot of things and and just prepare you for the rest of this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) You're going to hear the word trauma a lot. (laughs) I'm not pulling it out now just because so far the questions are pretty um, generalized to this point. We're going to talk about trauma. Oh, yeah. It's coming Um, but I mean, those are kind of my points, and yeah, just curious about Chris's thoughts on what I said there. No, no, I I think it's absolutely correct. It's you know the believing that your goals are his goals, and that's not entirely true. There's again, not everybody's a CEO, not everybody's a Jay Z. If this man's goal is just to live a comfortable life but not conquer the world, that's where he's at. He has a job and he just likes where he's at. He likes his job and doesn't really want to, you know, he's not about climbing the corporate ladder. It's not his goal. So, you know, I I, I would characterize bad habits, I guess, the de- I'm sorry, detrimental habits. Like just for me, I'm looking at it as anything that, that, that fucks up the money. So, you know, we can't, if we're struggling to pay bills or we're light on money or we can't go out to eat, but you always got money for weed, that's a problem. Like that, that's that kind of shit where it's just like misprioritizing money. But, um, you know, I, I think it's really, you know, I, I think you said it perfectly. It's, it's about 
whose goals they're trying to achieve. So. And I think the yeah. last thing just want to add is, you know, like, for instance, when you say weed, I really think of dependence, right? And I think mm -hmm. of how, as Americans, we're either dependent on a substance, a behavior, food, um, coffee, right? Podcasts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And, and so looking at, you know, what's really going on with our dependence on things. Now, mm -hmm. something that may come up later, um, depending on any specific questions, but I also think of folks who are neurodivergent, which is a term that broadly describes folks whose um, neurobiology is not typical and it can mm -hmm. impact the way that they process information, communicate out information, um, receive information, the way they might structure and organize a task or process in their mind, um, which might consist of autism spectrum, uh, sensory processing issues, any number of things. Mm -hmm. That There's a lot of people like that um, where it's basically a sort of um, disability of a sense in that that's just the way they operate. And so there are some people where they might go, oh, they have a bad habit of, you know, they're always tapping or making this noise or whatever. And it's like, for some people that might be their way of self-regulating their nervous system, also known as stimming. But mm. again, that's a very specific type of dependence, which like, that's just that person, they're gonna do that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, I'll, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna move on to the next one because I got nothing else for that question. Okay. <laughs> nothing else for that one. Um, this one is um, interesting and I'm interested to see what you say about it. So how do you redefine boundaries for a relationship that has evolved? Uh, this one is going to be a trick answer, I guess. You know, usually you hear of a trick question, but it's a trick answer. Okay. The boundaries have been redefined because if we do nothing and we just go into some patterns and we just behave a certain way, we are essentially communicating without words, but through action, what the new boundaries are. Mm. And so that's why sometimes in relationships, if for instance, one person, one partner keeps doing something, the other partner might just notice they're doing it and just go, oh, that must mean they're okay with it. And it may not even be true. Maybe that partner thinks they need to do that, you know? And mm -hmm. so without verbally communicating, they are, you know, presuming or reading into or perceiving, which, you know, you're not going to say every single thing you need to say to each other. Sometimes it's about action, right? So, um, and words can kill spontaneity and just, you know, just affect kind of the emotional connection. But um, to go back to the question, I guess if you desire different boundaries, um, definitely having that dialogue, having that conversation, I guess first step would be like, do you notice things are different? You know, and I know that sometimes in a relationship that right away sounds like complaining, right? But mm -hmm. um, as I work with clients um, and when I work with couples, I try to encourage them to first come from a place of curiosity and just like, did you even notice it first of all? You know, um, because sometimes that might be the, the initial important thing, like maybe the person didn't notice it or they go, yeah, I did. And that gives more information for that original partner to go, oh, okay, they didn't notice it or they did notice it and didn't bring it up to me or didn't say anything. Um, mm. So so I think boundaries is a tricky one. It's mm -hmm. kind of like constantly, they're constantly evolving. Um, mm. And I think the biggest thing that we can do as an individual in a partnership 
is really just make sure um, we uphold our boundaries. And the way to uphold boundaries is to set limits. Okay. And because um, the boundary is invisible. And the only way to set limits really is to demonstrate what happens when that boundary is violated. Because, mm. you know, um, think back to when we were kids, like, you know, you better go to bed or else, you know, you better eat your dinner or, or else or do your homework. Well, what's the or else? You know, I, I want to know what, what the other thing is. Like, because, like, and, and then the follow through, if there's no follow through, there really is no consequence, you know? That's so. a good one for the men. Men, stop being chicken shit. Uh, you know, define your boundaries and also, you know, kind of put yourself first in, 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 in some ways, like really guys will say, okay, well, I'll lose her if I don't let her do this. Or if I say, if I speak up against the way that she's treating me, like, I don't like the way that she's talking to me, but I'm not mm -hmm. going to say anything because she'll get mad or I don't like this, or she wants to do this, but I don't want to. And it's just like, you know, fellas, start sticking up for yourselves. Really, really uh, define those boundaries and, you know, look out for number one for once. So, sorry, that's just reading that because you're like, you know, it's got to be what is the or else? You know, Absolutely. Um, for example, there was a girl that had flaked on me. Like she did a straight up like no call, no show on a date. Oh. Yeah. And then turns out like, you know, for whatever she had you know, uh, uh, did something to her knee, like, you know, two days before whatever else. And that's why she couldn't make it. And I'm like, okay, well, but you, your, your hands are working just fine. You could have let me know, no communication. I was sitting out there for like 40 minutes and, um, you know, but then she comes around once another date and I'm like, that's cool. And, and also I had to go out in her neighborhood and her neighborhood is like 35, 40 minutes away. Mm -hmm. So that was a long ass round trip for no dates and the wait time. So I said, all right, well, uh, I am open to giving you grace and giving you a second chance at a date, but we're doing it near me. It's going to be in my neighborhood and we're going Dutch. Yeah. I mean, those are the terms either that or you don't get a second chance with me. I mean, it sounds like you're standing up, um, for what you need, right? And I think just yeah. again, this show is for the fellas. So um, speaking to the fellas around redefining boundaries and whatnot, you know, um, it's understandable that, you know, certain things need to be said or, or we feel like we have to say something. But I think the other thing is how we say stuff. So a mm -hmm. um, couple things that, you know, we're not gonna go into a full workshop on it today, but um, I'm gonna put it, you know, I'm just gonna say it out loud and um, maybe, you know, uh, Chris, you could type it somewhere as people can Google this up for themselves later. One of them is reflective listening. Um, highly recommend reflective listening, uh, sometimes known as active listening. Um, I found some not so good tutorials on YouTube on how to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, who knows if I do a future show, maybe we could do stuff like that. Um, and the other one is uh, I statements. And um, just a really quick thing, because a lot of people have heard of I statements. I statements doesn't mean you get to start with the, the word I and then just say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the point of an I statement is to express how you felt as a result of something or how you feel in anticipation or, you know, how you're feeling right now. Um, and it doesn't count as like, I feel you're 
being an asshole. Like that's, <laughs> that's not a nice statement because <laughs> that's an opinion. Um, and also not like, um, I feel you're doing it wrong. No, if something is being done wrong, that's a think that's not a, just putting the word I feel doesn't automatically make it a feeling. So it's really about one's own emotions, you know? And so mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm feeling worried that, you know, I have to like bite my tongue or, or hold back on saying some stuff because I'm afraid that I might say something to offend you. And, you know, and if I do that just once, then I won't have an opportunity to, to explain myself. Right. Mm -hmm. as, as an example. So, so that's kind of what comes to mind for me. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, viewer, I hope they, we sufficiently answered your question. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody had asked, uh, how do they, how do you um, ask anonymous questions? Um, if you want to send in a question, you can um, send in a question to the show's Gmail account or message the show privately. Um, it is, Sorry, uh, men like us podcast at gmail.com. That's the show's email account. So you can email a question there. And um, if we have enough time, we'll scoop up, we'll scoop that up for you all. So the next one um, is a little, all the rest of these are kind of longer. Um, it says, Am I wrong for wanting to leave my girlfriend for being lazy? I can't motivate her to fill out a job application. I even helped her update her resume yeah so i think this is a great opportunity for me to introduce a concept before i respond mm -hmm. to the question directly um but this reminds me of the concept um and as therapists we're taught this um so if you were not a therapist in training and you didn't know about this um then don't worry about it no one was ever telling you it but i'm going to tell you um as a therapist when we work with people in the room we hear their content, but we need to look for the process. We need to look at what's underneath. And so the content might be girlfriend, lazy, job, tried helping. Um, these are things that would probably be picked up by a video camera, things that you would be able to see. And anyone would be like, oh yeah, that's what I see. You know, that's what's happening. But the process is what's underneath. And, um, I feel bad because I'm almost telling everyone um, all these questions are, you know, great. Come have a session with me. <laughs> um, al although that's not the intention of why I'm here. I'm actually fully booked and I can only see folks in California. Um, but definitely we need more trans people as therapists. And that's another reason hit me up. If you are of any interest in being a therapist, especially if you're a trans person of color, um, I would love to, you know, just try to share my experience Um with that, um, our community needs that for healing. And um, I sometimes wonder what it'd be like. I haven't had someone, a client who indicated being transamorous. I always wonder what that'd be like in a session. Mm. Um, but going back to content and process. So the content, think of it as like the waves you see on the ocean surface. But the, the process, you know, they're the ocean currents underneath that are swirling around. You're not gonna see with your eyes. So when I look at this um, question, you know, I wonder as a therapist, I wonder what's going on for this woman. Um, and, and, and the word lazy, um, you know, can be very much, you know, um, fitting for, uh, I imagine, you know, gentlemen's 
uh, put this question in, I don't know. But um, yet there could be other things that are other obstacles that are in the way. And, mm -hmm. you know, the only way that I as a therapist would ever know is like, hey, so, you know, I might ask questions, uh, which is what we do as therapists. We don't supply answers or, or advice. And if someone does that and that's their main way of helping you, please find another therapist. Um, but I would ask questions like, um, hey, so what do you find it difficult to follow through on stuff? Or is that in general or is it just with some tasks? You know, like, you know, if I had um, this young woman uh, in front of me, you know, um, I might ask about job applications. Um, now I worked, this popped in my head right now. I worked with kids originally um, in residential care, which by the way, I'm so sad to realize after all these years that that was one of the ways white supremacy just, just re-traumatizes, uh, you know, Black, Latinx folks, they're mostly, those are the youth that are in the programs. And, but I remember one boy, whenever we did reading time, just something about when, when he took books and then books he took and the way he held them, it took a while, but I went up to him and I go, can I ask you something? And it's okay, whatever the answer is. I said, do you feel like you know how to read? And that kid said, no, he was 10 years old. And I think that um, I'm not saying that that's the case with this question, but what I'm trying to say is that sometimes there's things below the surface that we don't know and we don't see. Mm. Um, and I think that's the best way I know how to answer this question. But love your thought, Chris. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if this individual's had tried to have a conversation about it and try to really dig and figure out what's going on. But, um, you know, Again, I think this is like the earlier question that we, we we had answered, you know, you got who you got. If this is a person that is not interested in doing these things you want them to do, I don't see how you can you can't change people. In my mind, I'm like, you can't you can't force people to change and to be who you want them to be and what you want them to be. So, you know, if this is a deal breaker, I mean, I, I mean, to try to have conversations and, and try and figure out if, if there's any path towards, you know, her gaining employment. I mean, there might be, she might be a felon and you don't know it. I don't know. There might be something blocking her, but um, I, I, I'm sorry, but I am just a proponent of people not staying around situations that don't work for them too long. Like, because I feel like if you're in an unhappy relationship, not saying you have to be unhappy. I'm sorry, not saying that you have to be happy all the time in all relationships. But at some point, you know, you got to ask yourself, like, why am I still here if I'm not, if this isn't what I want? Like, why am I still trying to wrestle with this person to get a job if I, if it's important to me that my partner has a job? Like, what, what's happening with you? Like, you got to go cut and run, man. Like, I'm not here for people breaking up all the time, and I'm not here to amplify divorce and breakup rates, but I'm just here for people to, to be happy. So, I mean, that's what I would really tell that person is like, yeah, just, like, exhaust all opportunities, but then also ask, why are you still there? What's keeping you? Great question. Maybe you have a future as a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord, I ain't got the temperament for it. I I, I don't even have it. people that watch the show know, and people that know me is like, yeah, no, that's that's not Chris, that's not his ministry. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. All right, I say yeah. some shit that's a little bit too real. 
Yeah. So be yourself uh, always. This okay. This is from um, one of the guys in my men's group in a relationship. He says, "How do I combat? How do I combat or handle my girlfriend's ugliness toward other trans women who don't have surgeries or look like a brick? Her word, not mine." Ooh. Uh I mean, I have to be honest. In in my past relationships I, that, that was definitely a turnoff for me when i saw a girl like really get mean and say something nasty about some girl who's like she maybe she doesn't have her look together and um you know that's been a, a huge turnoff for me it's it's almost up there with like being mean to people in the service industry <laughs> for me but yeah. anyway, i'm sorry i'll let you no no I th- i'm glad you started us off <laughs> try something different it's always me starting so um, well, again, I look at words and to me, words mean a lot. Um, and in the therapy off, uh, office, I definitely have the luxury of, um, you know, pointing out words and then they go, oh yeah, that's what I meant. Or no, um, actually I'd like to rephrase that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, um, how do I combat? So, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. My goddaughters, I know they're rolling their eyes, but like Uh-oh. there's an aggressiveness or violence possibly like, is this really troubling you, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's troubling enough to this this man to post a question. So let's acknowledge that. Um, in terms of uh, the ugliness, um, just, you know, I, I guess maybe hatred and, and just like as a trans community, um, there's things that, there's a lot of healing that's still needed in our community. And there's healing on an individual level because we're constantly bombarded with things that basically shove our own dysphoria in our faces 24 seven. Um, and yet at the same time, you have this uh, very mainstream world that's promoting aesthetic and how aesthetics have to be. And there's many trans women, we know this, like we, we get something for, you know, we get a surgery for dysphoria, but it's like, yeah, but can you also make me look as best as possible? Like, because we're influenced by the society, we live in it, right? We're marinating in it. Um, I think that this is a great opportunity for boundaries and setting limits. Um, I think it's important for this gentleman to know how much can you handle, how much can you tolerate? You know, mm-hmm. how, how much is it too much until you have the, a, a talk? How much is it too much until you no longer are gonna, you know, I don't wanna be in public with you as an example. How much is too much that I no longer wanna be in a relationship with you? Um, so it's kind of like, you know, an individual thing, probably not going to be able to change it on your own. Um, who I'd probably want to have in the therapy office is that, that young woman, um, you know, just to try to help them understand where some of that comes from, because I've currently seen almost like it's a trend and, and almost like it's a social media thing. Um, but sometimes younger trans women might feel like that's the thing to do. Like that's, you know, I mean, we, a lot of us went to school and maybe we tried to fit in and be cool. And so maybe it's the cool thing to do. Maybe it's a way to make yourself look better. And, and a lot of trans women, you know, we, we haven't always felt our best, you know? Um, so it's like, yeah, I've seen someone else do it or, you know, my friend did it. And so, you know, again, I don't know how often this is happening, mm-hmm. um, but as a gentleman, definitely, um, you know, we want to ask yourself how much is too much? Because yes, at some point, the company you keep, and I've heard this on this podcast before, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the company you keep 
kind of defines you in a way. And so if you are perceived to be this person's partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, relationship, and you know, you may be perceived as having either similar attitudes or just the, the fact that, you know, they witness your girlfriend doing this um, and it's not stopping, they might wonder, you know? Um, and that's one of the things that's really hard lesson I try to deliver to all my clients is like, when it comes to boundaries, other people's thoughts are their thoughts. We can't control them, we can't influence them, you know? But what we can do is we could stand up for our values. Um, and, you know, it's a small community, so I could also understand how some people might forego certain bad habits or not applying for jobs or, you know, because at the same time there's this concern or worry, like, will I find someone else? Will I have another opportunity? I mean, I think it's what I said before, guys, get some balls. Uh, speak the fuck up. So easy, this, easy. If this is something that you don't want to happen. Say something. And if she's like, oh, well, that's just how I talk. Well, that's a dumb answer. Um, but I mean, at some point you have to, I, I would say there are probably ugly behaviors within men that turn women off and they will, you know, separate themselves um, depending on the situation. But I mean, guys, you got to, like you got to stop being worried about the girl like leaving her, the girl leaving you. Like, yo, this ain't it. It ain't it. Like, I, I guess people are just like really afraid to be alone. They're really afraid to lose these relationships. But like, this person isn't gonna change. If this is how they think, this is how they talk, this is learned. In my mind, it's learned behavior from other people and other surroundings. And it's like she grew up in an environment, or you know, was raised in this community, an environment where that shit was okay. So like it's learned behavior. You're not gonna un you're not gonna get her to unlearn that shit because you're just some dude. Like she learned that from her community. And maybe it wasn't a community. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I I I just I don't I don't like men being timid and being afraid of losing the girl just for standing up for what they believe in. If you believe that that's mean behavior and that's not something you want to tolerate in your space, stand the fuck up. Like I'm sorry, I, I hate to be that like caveman, patriarchy, I don't know, whatever toxic guy. It's just like, you know, man up. Like really, like especially, and I'm, it's, it's like with men who are openly trans attracted, you already manned the fuck, you already stepped up and said fuck society. And you're standing up to the world with, with who you love and how you present yourself. So why stop now? Keep on standing up. Like, if 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 being a trans amorous man, you're supposed to shout down and confront transphobia and homophobia in every space you're in, but then you get in your relationship and you're a little puppy dog bitch. Like, what the hell? I'm sorry, I'm kind of upset about this. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm kind of getting caught up in this, but it's just no. Like, I just gotta you, say, what's up? I, I love your response first of all because you're reminding me that. It's you who's speaking to the men. I'm, I mean, I'm here, I'm speaking to the men, but I'm not a man. I don't know what it's mm -hmm. like. I don't know what it's like to walk in those shoes. Um, you know, I put on this costume of what masculinity was supposed to be. I had no idea. But I think what you deliver to, you know, the men in the group, like that's what's going to be really important, you know? And so I, I love that it just inspired that, that fire in you. Yeah, I start the show. I said this is a men's face, and 
ladies, I know that like a lot of this, these terms is man up and get some balls and all that shit is like really like makes your skin crawl. But, you know, a lot of times for guys being direct works best. Being direct is what's really going to pound through that thick skull of his sometimes like not being around the bush, not saying shit nice, just getting to it. So at least that's my that's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, I don't know, that's just my opinion of what works. And I've been talking to guys for a while now and I've been helping them understand certain concepts because guys do a lot of dumb shit. We do dumb shit. And it's just like, what the hell? So yeah. I, that, see, that's why I'm not, I'm not therapist material. So I'm not going to be nice. Not going to yeah. be nice. I'm going to drive you to change. And it may sound a little savage, but it is what it is. You know, somebody, uh, Last year, somebody kind of drove home the point, like, yo, bro, like, you fat. And, like, women don't want fat, nerdy-ass niggas. Like, what the fuck? I lost 50 pounds. I didn't sit there and cry about, well, they said I was fat. I just did the shit. But it's just different in how, like, men respond to stimuli, just directness. So yeah, that's kind of why I'm kind of like an asshole about things sometimes. But it really is for the betterment of everyone. You know, and I just I just hate to see men just like kind of shrink from confrontation in these circumstances. Like these guys are happy to be alpha guys and, you know, fucking cavemen out there on the street and fight everybody. But then they just cower and they can't speak for themselves and and advocate for themselves in their own relationships. It's asinine. But all right, I'm going to stop being angry about that. We can go on the next question. Before you go to the next question, I think it's okay to be an asshole if they know where your heart is. And, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you've invested in, in these men enough that they know where your heart is. And so that to me is not toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity would be if there's some misogyny in there, if it's certain expectations around gender roles and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, but, but what you're doing, you know, is you're talking to your boys and as someone who uh, can't wait till, you know, gyms open back up, I play pickup basketball. Yes. I'm a trans woman Uh-oh. out there playing pickup hoops. And, um, oh my God, like I always tell ladies, you want to see how your boyfriend is, go see them play sports. Their true personality will show. And there's certain people I just cannot get along with. And then there's others that like, I'm just like enamored. Like they're just because of the way they are. Cause there's that teamwork, how they treat mm-hmm. teammates and all that. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, the, the, the people I can't stand, you know, they, they, again, they're not just assholes, but they're just, you know, Oh, how are you going to let a girl do that to you? I'm like, oh, he, I'm like, oh, he didn't, he didn't let yes. me. That was me. I took it to the hole, like, you know. Okay. So, so, um, yeah. Let's 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 get this pandemic, yeah. you know, taken care of, so I can get back to pick up hoops. But yeah, I just wanted to say that that it's not necessarily toxic masculinity to me, yeah, because you've done the work to build that trust, and and really, mm-hmm. you're coming from a place of love that, again, is also culturally appropriate, right? I think I told you mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wanted to make sure I participated um is because this is a black led you know uh podcast and so it's like um as i mentioned before like i'm always seeing the people who are the most marginalized that like are always the ones stepping up and so like you you gotta love this you have to be loving this you know to be doing (laughs) it so so yeah i'll leave it at that for sure (laughs) um by the way i want to acknowledge that i am a fucking um brute on the court i'm that dude that's gonna fight over a foul like <laughs> we fighting you just called a whack-ass foul i'm arguing with it 
And I might even take the ball back. I'm like, nah, it's our ball. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'll just be out there. I'm, 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 I'm fiercely competitive. I want to win so fucking bad at everything. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I want to win. But I changed. I, I, I flipped the script on co-ed sports. Okay. Because I had to learn to be less intense because I, I came out the gate. I'm a college athlete. Like, I came out the gate ready to win, fierce, and I'm like, yo, why are you, you know, yeah. calm it down. Now it's just for fun. Co-ed sports, kickball, all that, just fun. All right, all right. So, sorry, I had to acknowledge, you know, my, my inner Charles Oakley. I had to acknowledge my inner Oakley for y'all that are old school out there. He, he's a hooligan. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and just in case, just to save time, if anyone wants to ask my style of play, I would say kind of like a cross between um, – Allen Iverson and John Starks. Like I I always get told to take jump shots. I'm like, no, I want to take it to the basket and like find an opening or, you know, but yeah. So I pass up open shots too much. That's, that's, that's what I get told. Oh no. I fucks with Starks. He was my main man on NBA jam. He was it. (laughs) So, all right. right, Um, Back to the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, no. uh oh, I'm losing signal here. So watch out. Uh Oh, something's happening with my signal. Am I still here? I'm good. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I can hear you. The audio's there. <clears throat> All right. Um, says my girlfriend is fiercely jealous of other trans women. I have handed over passwords to all my social media, and, and have done. Why? Well, I, no, I, I could read. Trust me, I could read. Um, and have done everything I can, I can think of to help her feel secure. I'm close to leaving her. Yeah. Um, I will tell you going through grad school, they didn't, uh, cover many chapters or, or, uh, just courses on, uh, social media and online and how that impacts relationships. So a lot of this will be opinion based, not, um, research based in any way. Um, so the first piece of, you know, uh, the social media thing, like I, I really feel like again, boundaries, right. There should be a certain level of trust and understanding. Um, and, you know, jealous of other trans women can mean a lot of things, you know, like, oh, you know, is he secretly communicating with other trans women? Is that the reason to look at it? Is he just following others? I mean, I guess you could see who's following. I don't even know. Everyone's settings are different. Um, but I think here is, I mean, this person, you know, he's saying that I, I've done everything to help her feel secure. Um, I'd probably say it's not going to be you who's going to make her feel secure. What you can do is you can just basically make the environment safe and secure. And part of that is you got to find out what she needs for that. But even that, you're only controlling the environment. And the environment does not include her experience of social media, her experiences that you know she's had and currently has with friends and family and coworkers or whatever else is going on in her life. Um, you know, there, there seems to be some sort of wound there for her, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the other piece of it is, you know, the close to leaving her, like, um, look, every individual is going to have their own feelings when it's, you know, their reason for ending a relationship. Um, I'm kind of a firm believer that really the person knows best. And so I would never say, here's how you know when to leave and when not to leave. Really, each individual knows best because each person has their own uh, limits that they can tolerate. Um, you know, there's only to a certain point that we can 
adjust and modify ourselves until we lose ourselves and we're being something that we're not, you know? And I think take it from a trans person, <laughs> if anyone, you know, we know what it's like to try to be something we're not and, and not all of us. Uh, I'm one of the few who um, try to fit in with what I was assigned at birth. And I realized that for a plethora of reasons why um, had to do a lot of healing to understand that um, it, it wasn't safe for me at that time. And mm -hmm. so I, th I think of this person, this woman's wound, you know, um, what's going on there? Because we all have wounds, you know? And I think that's the other reason I wanted to really do this um, collaboration with Chris is that I really feel deep down, this is my theory, that our wounds are the same wounds, essentially, mm -hmm. that they really go down to our identity and our self-worth. And um, we just navigate them differently because of where we might sit in the hierarchy of this patriarchy, of this white supremacist kind of infrastructure, uh, what we're told, you know, who has value and who doesn't. Um, but I'm gonna leave it at that before I start a thesis or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, I mean, I would tell the guy that, uh, you know, I don't know, I, 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 I see, I see jealousy as insecurity and I never see jealousy as anything else. So I always go back to Cat Williams, who so eloquently said, it's called esteem of your motherfucking self. Can't nobody give that shit to you. You gotta get that for yourself. So bro, no matter what you do, you're not gonna be able to shore up that insecurity in her. Like she's gonna have to do it herself and figure out what's happening inside of her. But I don't know, man, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's anything you can do to solve it. Like you can give her the passwords to everything that you have, period. You can give her the keys to your house, whatever. You can give her full access to your entire life. And, you know, if she feels insecure around with, with you being around other women or with you being Facebook friends, I know that's a thing for some folks. Uh, Facebook friends or liking Instagram posts or liking Facebook posts or whatever. Like it's social media is really kind of muddied the waters and you know what i don't think i've ever heard one story where social media actually helped a relationship like it's usually social media is fucking up your relationship like it so i mean bro figure out a way to maybe you can offer her to shut down your, your social media if this is a relationship you want that badly and you want to work for it shut down i mean offer that up um you wouldn't be the first person in a relationship to shut down your social media so um, maybe that's a solution. Yeah, I, and I think I agree with the muddying up things. Um, it reminds me of uh, how I've often been approached by uh, different girls in the community about, hey, um, you know, with regards to he liked this or he viewed that or, you know, um, he posted and tagged me, then he untagged. And, you know, I find that social media puts a lot of us in, the undesirable situation to try to interpret mm. what someone's actions are. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about anyone else here, but I've accidentally liked things <laughs> that I didn't mean to like. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care. You know, but there are some people who are more invested in their social media decisions, you know, mm -hmm. the actions they take. And so um, I think that's an important thing to know. Mm. And nowadays, I, I mean, <laughs> What does it used to be? Hey, what are, what are your goals with work and family? And what do you want? I mean, now we got to ask people like, hey, what's your social media expectations? And, and maybe we do. 
I mean, again, like I said, it wasn't taught to me in graduate school. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we need to say, hey, what's your intention? Like, are you trying to promote that? Like, are, are you, you know, just using your Instagram for sex work? Like, just like communicate, like essentially mm -hmm. let me know. Because having a guess, it just doesn't do any, doesn't mm -hmm. do good. Yeah. I mean, to me, um, when it comes to social media, liking a post means literally nothing. Um, and me and, and some other guys I know, you know, I, I have to be honest, ladies, men will follow your thirst trap accounts. They will follow accounts with sexy women on there. They will follow mm -hmm. accounts with memes and funny videos, whatever the fuck. But, you know, a lot of, at least the way that I handle, like, I'm going to just talk about Instagram specifically and even Facebook. Like, I'm just endlessly scrolling. I will stop to watch something once in a very long while, but I'm endlessly scrolling, double tapping, liking shit, sharing stuff. There's no way for me to keep track of all the stuff that I like on Instagram or, or Facebook. Like I'm liking other women's stuff. I'm liking other guys stuff. I'm liking body positivity posts, birthday posts, whatever other posts she's looking cute posts, whatever. But it isn't like I stopped and looked and like, I'm, I've been drooling for 30 minutes. Like, man, I really want her. It's like, oh, she's cute. Like, all right, what else is next? And like, it just, I, it's frivolous. For me, it's frivolous as fuck when it comes to the likes on social media. But obviously, you know, like you said, some people interpret that differently. And that is definitely a conversation to be had. Because um, it's a new, it's just so new. It's definitely a conversation yeah. to be had. But um, yeah, social media, I've never heard in any, relationship where it's like you know what social media actually made us brought us closer yeah yeah i think good point um and chris i noticed just kind of the time wise we might mm -hmm. be about the halfway point or so mm -hmm. i've also noticed some comments flash for a minute um yeah. but i don't get a chance do you should i be responding to any of them or any of them no, you feel? we're just we're gonna keep it going a lot of times right. I, I love going like i love the live viewers I love y'all in the comments. Comments be lit a lot of times, but you know we really got to stay on track with the show. And the comments usually take us in all sorts of directions. We got it. We got these questions. We got to get through. Yeah, so, for today's um, show at least, right? Yes, for today's show. Yeah. So this next one: What are some ways I can encourage my girlfriend to get therapy and take it serious? Assuming seriously, whatever. Take it serious. Um, her scars from sex work are manifesting physically with addictions and weird quirks, and I don't know how to help. Yeah, um, this just reminds me of, you know, again, there's marginalized and then there's further marginalized. And, and so mm -hmm. I myself have always been, um, originally fascinated and then just curious and just to understand the experience of girls who do sex work. Um, and I've felt like I've learned a lot from association, um, never engaged, never had to. So I guess the privilege of it, of, um, I, I am, for those who are, if you're wondering, I am Persian from Iran, uh, born in Iran, came to the U.S. at like age four, tremendously benefited from white privilege. Um, and my parents pretty much sheltered me growing up, so didn't have to experience a lot of personal hardships. But um, so I am highly aware when we talk about sex work, um, it's not all women who have to do it. Um, so what I could say here is um, 
first of all, I, 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 I sense your love for your girlfriend. First of all, I think that's first and foremost, I gotta say, um, and, um, sometimes people won't always see the love that you're delivering. Um, and I say this from knowing, you know, women who do sex work and kind of through experience trying to, let's just say strategically encouraging self-reflection and, and, um, knowledge of self and growth and therapy is just one way. Um, now, if we are talking about addictions, especially if we're talking about substance, it's really important to have kind of a two-pronged approach of therapy and also some recovery program because the recovery program is to address current urges and cravings as they arise, as they come up, while the therapy is more to gain understanding of how uh, the addictive behavior or addictive substance is actually an attempt to cope with mental health symptoms. Um, and I would say that sex work does shape, I mean, our occupations shape who we are. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, sometimes maybe I keep my therapist hat on too long, even if I'm not working. You know, there's this element of doing sex work where um, a lot of people around us, I shouldn't say us, again, I didn't do sex work. A lot of people around around you might um, appear to be opportunities for coin or um, because again, it's the work that just kind of reinforces this idea that also when people seek you out, they only really want one thing. When they um, pay you any mind or, or just, you know, stop to listen to you, like there's something underneath there. And, and I think there um, there's people who could help with this, but I encourage those people not necessarily to be licensed therapists because most of us are going to be white, uh, are going to be cisgender. And I'm really committed to believing it's really only trans people who could help other trans people heal. Mm -hmm. um, so I would really try to connect with um, others in community who might not be licensed therapists, but, you know, are doing this kind of work where they're, um, and all, they themselves have experience in, in their past with sex work because, mm -hmm that's who your girlfriend's more likely to listen to anyway. Like I'm not appropriate, um, you know, unless your girlfriend spoke to me and felt a connection and I'd be like, look, I don't know this, or this is my limit, my limits are. Um, but yeah, this is something that's really important. Um, I wish right in this minute, I had like my list of, um, you know, trans women of color led organizations. I know, you know, in California, I've heard of ones going to different conferences, but definitely if we can build some infrastructure to help those who have been harmed from sex work, um, that's really, yeah, it's really important. Well, I only know of two organizations that I mess with. That's the Brooklyn Ghost Project and the Mahogany Project here in Houston. So they definitely got uh, resources and they're, they're, they're here for people of color all day. But, you know, um, I have a friend that is exactly what you were describing. She definitely has that, that she's a listener and, you know, she's, she's definitely had a lot of experience and some, and, and some experiences a lot of women haven't had yet, hopefully. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to shadow her and blow up her spot, but, you're, I know she's watching right now and you need to be thinking about trying to do this, sis. So, you know, I'll be a client. <laughs> but, you know, for, for the yeah. for the ladies, not for me. But, you know, I, I, I do have a therapist here. But, um, 
you know, she came highly recommended by the trans community of Houston. So like a lot of trans women was like, yo, this lady is the bomb. You gotta be talking to her. So it's been working yeah. out, but yeah, I totally there with you. I, it's like if if Jeff Bezos could just take like fifty million dollars and just like fund school for trans women of color, like we'd be they'd be in all sorts of industries. Like things would just change. It'd be dope as fuck. It's like well, we just need some money, somebody to fund this shit. I could tell you something on that, and and you know activism is part of this. So um, mm-hmm. I know my ladies already know that, fellas. If you didn't know, sorry, no one asked you if you want to be an activist. Um, it kind of comes with the trans experience and partnering with, with trans women. But in the state of California, they passed a budget for programming that's trans related. Um, if there's anyone in other states, I would say find out who helped author the state bill that, you know, and of course we know every state's different and up in, up in California, we hear how Texas is, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's not um, sweet here, it's not sweet at all. Governor Abbott and Costello acting like a joke, um, but yeah, we, that's going to take the show a whole nother place. But yeah. um, but I think the other thing is that what I'm thinking of these organizations, because organizations are an organization, but what do they do? So what I'm thinking is like a mentorship program. Mm. So, you know, where um, girls can hear and listen to the stories of other girls, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's also the model that is really popular in recovery. A lot of people go to 12 step meetings and, you know, people hear of AA or NA. Um, and uh, it's just like, I'm gonna tell it to you raw, like this is what I went through and this is the stuff. And um, and a lot of times, um, although I guess this is a little gem for the fellas, maybe not, maybe you already know this, but it might seem like seeing the girls really celebrate sex work, like it's this, you know, amazing thing recognize that that's not the internal experience all the time. And that part of doing sex work is presenting that it is a great and amazing thing. I mean, Mm. why wouldn't it, why wouldn't you have to do that? You know, you're basically trying to get people get, get customers. Right. So yeah. Fair enough. Um, Shout out really. Oh, wait, wait, I gotta take this down. Sorry. So, um, we got all right next question now we're back we're i guess we're on social media again and actually this is something that we addressed in the previous podcast but whatever we can rehash this shit. yeah um says my girl keeps posting sexual pictures on social media and i'm over it do you have any advice for how i can get her to understand that it is inappropriate uh while in a relationship p.s it's not for money yeah, so we know right off bat it's not for money. So my thoughts go to like, well, what is it for? What does it um, provide, you know, this woman? Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, if that's a conversation that, you know, you can have, um, you know, with her. Um, I think that this is also going back to boundaries, right? And um, people have different ideas of what partnerships are and how to behave in them and, and to what extent, how much to involve others, right? Some people were like, oh yeah, you know, like I'll I'll tell, you know, my friends that, you know, I had a STI or whatever. And others are like, no, I'm not sharing that, right? So I think with social media, there's this element, this, um, this uh, bubble 
of safety of, oh, it's not me, it's pixels on a screen. And yet these pixels on a screen are tugging at the emotions of a guy, mm-hmm. of a guy who uh, purports to, you know, have feelings and care about this person and, and be in a relationship. So, you know, yes, you want to post pictures and no matter the reason what it is, a picture a box, the answer why she posts it, it's in that box. It doesn't matter what it is, but mm-hmm. is that worth it for what you can end up losing? And really that's, that's up to the girl to decide. Wow. Yeah, that, that is uh, eye-opening. So a uh, guy who's going through this, um, she might not see you as worth it. <laughs> that is <laughs> a possibility. As worth it. You might not be, you think you're that dude, and you might not be that dude to her. But, um, you know, for me, I've always said, uh, uh, you know, it's, I, I see it as putting, keeping yourself on the market and advertising. It's like advertising a home is for sale when the home is sold. And it's like, why are we still advertising it? Why are we still trying to draw in new buyers and the, the house is sold? The house isn't for sale. But somebody also said in the comments, maybe she didn't sell you the house. Maybe you're just renting it. So that's another piece of it. Fellas, you might be, guy, you might be in the, uh, you might be a little bit confused on where you're at. But um, I was talking to one of my friends about this and she was like on this whole, she was using the stripper argument which is you met me in a strip club. So why you got a problem with it now? You met me and you you saw my post. This this post drew you in. So why is it a problem that I'm doing this? Because you knew this is what I, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I combated that with really, you know, um, the rules change when you're in a relationship. Sorry. There's how there's a way to live when you're single and there's a way to live when you're in a relationship. And some some of that shit, just ain't possible. Not when you're in a monogamous relationship with a man. It's just dudes ain't gonna put up with certain shit. And it's just you can have your hot girl summer and and throw your ass all over social media if you want to, but that might be a strategy for you to stay single. Yeah, and I th- I think the key point that I agree with from what you said is relationships are dynamic. Mm. What might be okay or someone's comfortable with at one point, perhaps I mean when you meet. You don't really know each other, so there's no attachment. But later on, maybe a person feels different. Um, and so I think for me, again, just my opinion um, mm-hmm. that, okay, so she's posting these things and that's what she wants to do. Um, you can communicate because here's the thing. She might only want to date a guy who is okay with those being posted. In fact, mm-hmm. I know girls like that mm-hmm. and I know their boyfriends and their boyfriends are okay with it. And that's mm-hmm. an agreement that the two of them made. So um, what you indicated as rules, um, what I find more helpful in relationships than rules are agreements mm-hmm. because the agreement is opt-in. And if someone isn't opting in, mm-hmm. I guess maybe this is what happens. Um, some people are waiting until someone opts in, but imagine, imagine you're a car dealer right? Um, and someone's on the lot and they're walking around and they're like, I think I might buy, I think I might buy. How long are you going to follow them around until they actually decide, you know, mm-hmm. what is the line? What is the limit? And what I find it's a personal limit. Every mm-hmm. person's going to be different. So maybe this individual here, this guy, maybe he has more cushion, more, maybe he has more patience and, and 
Um, and when I say patience, I want to say patience with something that he doesn't want, right? Mm. There's difference between patience, mm. like, oh, I have patience, um, and that's cool. I'm okay with it. But there's, ooh, I have patience, but it's going to run out. Mm. So... I mean, I, I think we're back on to the, the point I made earlier where it's just like, yo, advocate for yourself. Don't stick around in a situation that just isn't for you. Like if you're unhappy and it makes you, if this, if it makes you feel bad and, and she doesn't think you're worth changing for, fucking walk away. Just walk away. That's and I would how, just, I'm sorry. I'm just, I would just add, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chop, chop, chop. I would just add, explain why. If you're going to walk away, explain why. Just the name it. Um, Now, some people sometimes think explaining means that it's negotiable. (laughs) So I'm I'm going with if your decision is to walk away, Mm -hmm. explain and make it clear. We're not negotiating. I'm just having enough respect for you to let you know the reason. Because if not, and I've, you know, watched some of your other shows, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so easy to presume the reason someone ended a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy. And we go into the monolith kind of all men are all women are and and and, and, and that doesn't teach us anything but stereotypes nope so you're right i have to be honest so i've had situations where i just didn't care i didn't care the why i was like yeah i don't i don't really care why let's just be done a lot of people do that (laughs) it's common it's super common the why doesn't matter it's irrelevant we're not gonna agree whatever i'm out like have a nice life but that's just me exactly everyone's different (laughs) chop so all right. Um, all right. My partner keeps hounding me about patriarchy and I'm starting to be afraid to be myself. I get that I have some unlearning to do, but I want her to give me grace and accept me for who I am. All right. All right. Um, so this is one of those questions that, you know, the way it's, you know, spelled out. I could I could see a lot of different interpretations. Um, mm. I'm just gonna make sure to name what I consider patriarchy. Mm. To me, patriarchy is this um, current system where um, it's really built to benefit the most male and the most masculine. Male mm. being an identity, masculine being the gender expression, the 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 form of maleness that is being exuded, you know, um, out there. So here's the thing. Um, the patriarchy is a system that's out there. It's not so much in us, but we may at times participate in it. And other times we may reject it. And other times we may tolerate it. So I think um, it might be helpful you know, to understand what are the behaviors perhaps mm-hmm. that are um, lining up and, and reinforcing the patriarchy and what are the things that are not. Because it's probably mm-hmm. the things that are in line with the patriarchy Mm-hmm. that are, you know, that your partner is bringing up. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, if your partner could also indicate how come it's distressing, it'll probably help you understand. But I, I do I do think you're definitely ahead of the game because you recognize there's some unlearning to do. Um, just as I've, you know, myself had so many privileges, I'm sure, Chris, you could speak to several privileges you've had. Like, mm-hmm. part of having a privilege is you don't recognize it. That's the privilege that you don't have to recognize it. Right. So it's kind of like, I never had to think about that. never had to look at that. Um, you know, so I think the unlearning is definitely going to help. And, um, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to lose who you are. Um, I, I get the, um, wanting to be accepted for who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But when someone is being asked to like examine how they participate in the patriarchy, it's kind of like, um, just examine what you're doing, understand it. Mm -hmm. And then if you're still going to do it, at least you're consciously doing it. So mm -hmm. um, the best example I can give, just to try to give an example is, um, you know, I've been kind of in the past year trying to focus on what kind of, you know, anti-racism work I can do. Um, not just not be racist, but how can I be anti-racist? How can I try to, um, you know, um, find opportunities for systemic change? And um, working in mental health, I definitely feel, by the way, mental health, as much as therapy is great, I'm sick and tired of all these commercials about videos, telehealth everywhere. I bet you they're throwing the, the least qualified therapist at everyone and uh, don't get me started. But um, it's a uh, psychotherapy industrial complex. It is white supremacy. It is patriarchy. Even if most therapists are women, um, the system that's been designed and built up, you know, is primarily by men. So I think it's really about just understanding. So I need to see because there are things that I do that probably reinforce racism, but I may mm. not know that. Does that make me a bad person? That's for others to decide. You know, does that, am I an ally in other situations? I don't know, that's for others to decide. I think I've really learned in the last year that I don't get to call myself an ally. Only others get to determine, am I currently behaving like an ally or am I not behaving like an ally? So I think that, you know, the unlearning, it's a process and um, the fact that, you know, you're in this partnership. I think that's, you know, you've done some of the work clearly. Um, and I think this definitely having more conversations of what are you doing that's participating in the patriarchy. Mm. Um, I, I read this as a, as, as an issue with traditionalism, um, mm. largely because, you know, uh, I've talked about it before on the show where there's this dichotomy of modern people trying to fit into traditional gender roles and it's not completely working because we're different. We're not our grandparents. We're not those people. I can't fix a fucking sink. I could pay somebody to do it. I can do pretty decently on a car though, but yeah. you know, I'm just not that handyman, you know, working in the field kind of dude. Like I sit at a desk, I do computer shit. So it's just like this, well, the, the man is traditional and men do this and they do that. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I think it might be like an issue with, you know, you may be a traditional sort of guy and she's a modern woman. And, you know, she, she might want that 50-50 relationship or, you know, things to be a little, the power structure or the how the relationship works to be a little bit different. So, um, but I think there is something to be said for like, you know, a lot of, from, you know, what I've heard, just a lot of women wanting traditional men, but then these do show up traditional. Some When the ones do show up traditional, it's like, oh, the patriarchy, oh, you're doing this, oh, you're doing that. And it's just like, well, you wanted a caveman that was going to pay for everything, treat you, do just like your grandpa, and you got one. Absolutely. I, I hear that. And I would also add that a lot of people are trying to reconcile the things they want. Mm with what they ought to have, you know, like a lot of us have been shaped by our past to, you know, desire or, or see certain things as desirable. Mm -hmm. um, we're constantly evolving. So yeah, um, I can even, <laughs> you know, take a leap and share that, you know, I've actually been given that kind of feedback before, like Lita, like you want all this and then you want all that. And, and that doesn't, you know, it's not compatible. Um, look, 
I've recognized that my desire is my desire. Mm -hmm. And if I don't find someone, I don't find someone. That's not up to me to decide. In fact, I, you know, whenever people ask me, am I dating anyone? Am I talking to anyone? I'm like, are you, am I looking for anybody? I'm like, I'm not looking for anybody. They're looking for me. Like if they'll find me, they'll find me. Cause yep. you know, like I, I can't, I can't let, you know, partnership be the thing that defines who I am as, as an individual. Um, now the core thing in that question that you actually, that's why I love the back and forth. Cause I don't think mm -hmm. of it the first time I think of cultural differences. Right. Mm -hmm. And if there's cultural differences, which, you know, cultures, values, beliefs, and traditions, then if there's cultural differences, like, to what degree is a cultural difference going to be okay? Well, we can still maintain that versus like, no, this is, you know, not doable. Right. And so I think that that's yeah. going back to what you've said before, like, don't be afraid. Like if it's not a match, you know, find someone who is a match. Cause you, I mean, everyone deserves to have the experience of love. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is this thing about, you know, staying in relationships um, sometimes can feel safer but we're actually sometimes, sometimes staying in situations that really preventing us from experiencing other, you know, people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, I just want, I just want people to, I just want people, people to speak up and advocate for their needs. That's it. Just advocate for yourself, speak up, um, you know, but this is, this patriarchy thing is just, it actually gets me sometimes. I'm like, I don't think I ever said I was the dude that was going to unravel patriarchy. It's like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not woke, woke, woke. Like, sorry, just a dude got a job. I could pay some bills. I, I, I don't I, like, I have to be honest, like patriarchy and the definition of it. I haven't even done much research to figure out what that is, but it's like a new buzzword that people just sling around like, Toxic masculinity was a word that people slung around 10, 15 years ago. It was like, oh, that's a hot new buzz topic. Toxic masculinity. Nobody really, at the time, nobody was saying what it was. They just said anything that a guy did was toxic masculinity. Now, I understand it differently now. Mm -hmm. And I associated with direct behaviors, but it was just such this broad idea that it, I was just like, ah, I don't really care. Like, I'm just going to be a guy and that's just it. But, um, you know, obviously, People grow, people change, people understand a little bit more, but it, it's just these new buzz terms that people have in these conversations. And it's like, they don't even fully understand it all the time. Kind of just throw it everywhere. Ugh, kind of like some other word we're not going to go into, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, we got a couple more left. So this guy says, my girlfriend makes more money than I do. And she uses that to control the relationship. I'm struggling with how to exist in a relationship where my girl thinks I'm the lesser half because I make less. Oh, yeah, that's um I'm single ladies. It's, it's how you're going to get single. <laughs> yeah, I mean let's start go ahead um elaborate on that a little. Uh It's it's a it's a career woman logic 101 where it's like I need a man on my level. And if you don't make as much money as me, you're not good enough to be with me. And it's just like, okay, well, there are plenty of guys that make less than, and I'm just speaking as for black men or just men in general, like the median income for a man in America is not fucking six figures, 75,000, whatever, like slower. So if you're a woman that's accomplished and your man makes less than you, um, 
I mean, do you want a partner? Because if you want a partner, you have to respect that person and be concerned about how what you do makes them feel. And I'm not saying make more money, but you can't be looking at you can't be looking at your partner with contempt. You can't be emasculating him like, well, now what you say, your opinion matters less because I make more money. Like, I mean, isn't that some patriarchy shit right there? Like now you're the you're the breadwinner. So now you are taking control and whatever. I, I just it just I, I, I just think, you know, making more money doesn't make you the power base in the relationship. And you have to give that man space to feel valued and you have to be considerate. Sorry, that's this relationship. You, you have to worry about the other person's well-being. And that doesn't mean you have to cater to him or anything. Just don't disrespect him because he's not making more. Don't make him feel like you're not a good enough man and you're not doing enough. It's kind of like that well, that first one where it's like, hey, not everybody's CEO. Not everybody's a lawyer like you or an accountant like you or whatever the fuck you are like you. Like, this guy is just a fucking bus driver, but he loves you. Yeah, I, th- I think... I mean, it reminds me of a big bank, take little bank. Um, you know, it's a little capitalistic uh, mm-hmm. influence there. Um, and yet, you know, as, as I see the question on the screen, what I'm really thinking about, like how much dialogue have they had on this topic, right? That's mm-hmm. the first thing I'm thinking about. Like, um, and chances are I'm willing to bet zero is not the answer. They've had dialogue, but it's come up in on other topics like it hasn't probably been direct because let's face it being in a capitalistic society we are all conditioned and trained to believe that the amount of money in our wallets purses pockets bank accounts define our worth Mm -hmm. and yet they don't but yet Mm -hmm. we participate in that constantly if someone doesn't have enough money and they come to see me for therapy i'm sorry i won't be able to offer you services right it's it's part of the system. So I think mm-hmm. that one of the things that it's just, this is an American problem or capitalistic mm-hmm. kind of thing, but that doesn't excuse it. I think um, the dialogue would be around like, okay, so what is our agreement around our financial sharing? You know, now I see the word girlfriend for a lot of people, girlfriend, it's like, oh yeah, we're not sharing finances. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. If that's not what's happening, that's not what's happening. And I think that there are boundaries and it sucks. It's it. I've always been uncomfortable around money, talking about money. Um, but it sucks to like, to have less and be like, Oh, you know, the partner says, Hey, let's go do this. And like, no, not right now. I don't think it'd be a wise use of my funds, you know? And eventually that person has to understand, like not everyone has all that wealth that you have. Um, that that's the, that's the, the broke nigga response. Oh nigga, you just broke. Oh, you can't do this. You don't want to do this. You may have a valid reason not to do it or not want to spend your money in that way, but there's an ownership over how men spend money sometimes. And I don't think dudes flex like that on girls. Uh, when it's like, oh, you don't you don't want to spend the money to do this? Okay. Like they just accept it. But for me, if y'all moved in together, you already combining your finances and your credit. Like y'all are already in some shit together. So this whole we can't talk money, whatever. Uh-uh. Nah, because we we sharing this list. You're sharing responsibility. Both of your housing records can be absolutely fucked up, and your and your credit could be fucked up if one or the other just bailed on the property and left the other one stuck with with the small claims, court claims on their credit. Like, oh, there's consequences here. You're you're getting into some shit. That's all I'm saying. We got some skin in the game. 
<laughs> well, definitely money is like the number one reason um, relationships end. So for divorce, uh, yeah, definitely take something like this seriously. Um, again, the dialogue around control, because um, I also wonder if there's elements of control that's not money related. For instance, if they were both to make the same amount of income, would there still be elements of control and controlling the relationship, which to me could point to a whole other, you know, mm -hmm. like mess up stuff, you know, between anxiety or mm -hmm. trauma or, or whatnot. But, you know, I, I can't assess from afar. Um, well, I've been in a space where um, a woman who was a nurse, she was just like, I only date men that make less than me. Because okay. that way I can control the situation. And actually, what was really fucked up about it was that she only dates black men. Uh, in her mind, that guarantees that she'll make more money than him, mm. uh, yeah. which I think even more fucked up. Which, uh, I mean that, but it's it's a thing. It's a control mechanism because they don't want to get left, or they don't want they want to feel needed. Whatever. That's a particular that was that was the mindset of one particular woman. Yeah. Not yeah. all women. That's just the lady that I had talked to. And, you know, I wasn't feeling her like that, but we were just chopping it up outside a party. And she was very candid. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, there's a whole other thing. Like, I don't know if that was a, a black woman or a not well, she non -black. Was a white chick. Yeah. Heavy, that's heavy that's, set white chick dating a lot of black dudes. That's a little bit. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. We don't have to go over the history of the United States. It just doesn't feel yeah. right. Doesn't feel uh, right. The sentiment isn't right, but she was like, I, I need that control so that these men can't screw me over. They can't leave me. This, this, and this. I control everything because I make the money. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I mean, that ain't going to be me, but. Yeah. I hope you got an Xbox with 2K preloaded on it. <laughs> I don't get that reference, but all right. Uh, that's that's uh, the that's a that's a habit of 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 bum of bum niggas. They bum niggas play a lot of two K. Okay. And in fact, I know some trends. I, I've been to I've been to uh, I was at a friend's house, and I said, "Oh, you got an Xbox?" She's like, "Yeah, I just got that for the dudes that come through." I said, "Oh, oh, damn! You got your house set up for trade? All right. <laughs> Excuse me." So it was just funny. Yeah. Um, all right, two more questions here. We are getting to the end of this, guys. I know, oh I know we're running long, but thank you for sticking with us. And um, I will check the email account before we're done to see if anybody sent anything in. Um, this oh, another ambition one. Ambitions one. How do I deal with ambition issues with my man? He's complacent and is happy about his current low level of living. Oh my god, I feel like we kind of beat this horse to death already. Yeah, and I just have to say that that's something I'm currently trying to incorporate in my screenplay. If if I uh, mm. if I could don't mind kind of sharing a little, it's still in the writing process, but mm -hmm. um, I, I'm trying to look at um, sometimes in partnerships the the one sidedness. I mean, the last question was about income and then how that leads to control and mistreatment, mm -hmm. but this one about ambition, which is more the internal drive which um mm. i think that definitely there's a lot of different things that impact ambition and influence it and i could see someone who just had an easy life not having or not building up the ability to 
develop ambition because ambition is an mm. internal drive. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I just saw that commercial. That really makes me want to go like you got to have that internal drive. Like you don't need that mm -hmm. commercial to get you going. You don't need your partner to tell you, hey, you know, their registrations open for, you know, classes or, or, or whatnot. Um, but I think that in this case, because we don't want to just toss relationships in the trash mm. without fully understanding, understanding what is the complacency about? Like, mm -hmm. um, I think definitely in partnerships, you want to have conversations of where do you see each other in five years from now or 10 years from now? Um, and maybe even having those conversations before being exclusively together and just, you know, seeing if, if that fits, you know, mm -hmm. if there's a I compatibility. Mean, you know, that's what this whole, you know, talking phase is before you're actually, you know, talking and dating before you're dating monogamously, like all that shit is to screen this person out, figure is this person the one, you know, is this is, I'm not going to lie that I've had some situations where I was just waiting on somebody to give me a reason to make them the one. And I just, I wanted a reason to say yes, because I wanted to be with that person. Couldn't give me a reason, but you know, there's just through, through conversation, You'll find out shit about somebody and be like, yeah, that don't match up with me. But, you know, I mean, ladies, if you're, you're meeting a guy and he is, I don't know, if he's a clerk at CVS, ask him, like, all right, so what's your what's your roadmap? Where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what what are what are your goals? That's right. What are you what are you working up to? But that 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 drive that you were talking about for me came from the women the it came from the black women in my family because my mom is definitely a tiger lady she's very aggressive she's a, a five foot two aggressive little human <laughs> and my grandmother is the exact same person and but you know she had her college degree like educated my whole dad side like all them educated and it was just this drive to like always achieve. And that even went down to my generation with me and my cousins. It's just like, it's something that's passed down, down through like how you're raised sometimes. And when you see other people that are cutthroat and, and they'll do anything to make it and they won't settle for not succeeding, it's just like, I mean, you just pick that up. It's just in you at that point. So I, I would want to say it's genetic, but it isn't. <laughs> it's it's yeah. your environment and who's, who's teaching you, who you're looking at. So yeah, I get all that from them. The women that the the black women, my grandmother and my mother, that's that's where that comes from. I've I've found myself being a little bit too intense, even with some mates, some partners in the past. Like, yo, hey, we gotta we gotta get up, you gotta get off the ground and get go ahead and do this shit. You gotta get out there and make this happen. Like, <laughs> why are you not performing? What's going on? My therapist helped me, you know, pull the fuck back, get <laughs> out of people's pockets and their business. So you know, shout out to my therapist on that one. Um, but last question. This is a family one. Uh, this is from one of the guys in my group. Uh, I want to start a family with my girlfriend. Uh, she is trans. Um, I want to start a family with my girlfriend, but she insists on adopting. She believes I'll take the kids from her upon divorce. If we use a surrogate, how can I help her unpack her fears? Got it. So it sounds like he would want the child to be genetically similar to him. Yes. And use a surrogate. Um, so I think every state has different laws on parental rights mm -hmm. when it comes to 
um, surrogacy. I don't know them. That's where, you know, lawyers come in handy, but you know, maybe there's some legal advice out there, um, guidance on that because that might just assuage any fears. Um, cause my understanding is just be, it's not genetic. Doesn't mean ownership or doesn't mean parental. Like there's this whole agreement. That's kind of why the whole surrogate carrying the child doesn't have parental rights. Mm-hmm. Cause if that was the case, well, I guess Hollywood has shown a lot of surrogates run off with the kid, you know, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. You would uh, be wasting your money at that point. I would never gamble that much money. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> the surrogate could just run away. Like, yeah. Cause that's something I'm interested in as well. So, I mean, I've never heard this concern specifically, but mm-hmm. um, I thought it was as simple as just both people signing on the um, birth certificate and boom, you're the parents. Like, I guess that's from all the tales about men stuck with babies that ain't theirs or whatever else like well i signed a birth certificate and of course took that and made me pay for a kid that ain't mine i'm like all right well first off don't sign that shit bro but you know until you establish paternity but uh yeah. in this case obviously that's not but i just thought as long as you sign both people sign it you're good so i guess it's up to each state it might be and here's the thing to, to really get down to the question because really the first two sentences are just that but the question is how do i help her unpack her fears. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to, because you're too close, you're too invested Mm -hmm. and that she will most likely interpret things you say as possible other attempts. And so this is where, you know, why therapists can be helpful. They're kind of a neutral party. All you gotta do is pay their fee. Um, I tell my clients all the time, you don't have to make me happy. That's not what I'm here for. Your time slot is reserved for you. Um, In fact, I even go as far as saying, doesn't even matter to me if you reach your goals, if you change or not, that's up to you, right? Like me desiring you to change isn't going to do a thing for you. It's whether you desire it. So in terms of helping her unpack her fears, it's trying to encourage her to talk to someone about it. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like there might be, and this is me just really going out on a limb. Okay. I'm actually going (laughs) to answer a question here. Like you're like, damn, Lita's just evading every question. She's just speculating. There's a really good chance that, having a child that is not genetically similar to her mm-hmm. and knowing it's genetically similar to the gentleman, it'll be a constant reminder for the entirety of her life that she's different. And I can't again, gauge mm-hmm. someone's experience of gender dysphoria, but for a lot of people, you know, any sort of reminder, any sort of, um, you know, indication that we are who we are, you know, and, and, this is part of the reason that um, part of the reason that the stealth experience was like the way to go back in the day. Um, you know, mm. sadly we didn't realize like that was part of the agenda to keep us hidden, but it felt safer and people wouldn't know, but I have this theory. And, and even if one day modern science lets us, you know, change our, all of our reproductive organs and allows us to even change our DNA down, like there's still always one person who will know and remember our past and that's us. In a lot of ways, we can't really run away from that. So I wonder if there's an element of how dysphoria, um, how she might anticipate dysphoria could, you know, come up for her. Because when you raise a child, that's for life, you know? And so that's the other part of it. It's not like I'm going to buy this outfit and then if I don't like it, I could just throw it away or give it away or return it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's a big decision. Definitely getting some input would be good. For sure. Um, 
I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like. I it, it, I'm just gonna just say how I would do it if it were me. But it's just like if it were me, like I I, I see myself being in this situation, and like I I don't know. Like I guess I never thought there would be any problem because it's like you're the only mother this child will ever know. This child will know no other mothers but you from birth to whenever. Now, obviously, if there's divorce, whatever else, you're still that child's mother and you're still going to have 50-50 custody and all that shit. But it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I myself wouldn't run away with the kid and say, well, he's not really yours anyway. It's like, especially if we were married, like, come on. Like, we both made an agreement to create this life and raise this child together. But I guess there is room for that. I don't know how the laws are and all that junk, but I just always envisioned it just as like, uh, you know, you're signing on to be this child's parent forever, ever, 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 ever. At least it's not unplanned. At least it's not like a, oops, shit, we're pregnant. What do we do? Like, at least you get to plan it out and you get to opt, you get to opt in without having to worry about an abortion or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, that's just that's how I'm thinking about it, because this is definitely something that I would choose to do as well. Because uh-huh. for me, I'm a fucking like I said, I'm a caveman, and I, at the very least, and apparently this guy too, and I think there may be other guys in my group who are one and a half kids that are genetically theirs. And, and for me, I want that, but then it also makes things easier, because when I have this child and this wife that my mom has kind of been 50-50 on, now this child is looking back up at her and she sees her son, you know, she's not gonna, children children have a funny way of um, disarming bigots. There's a lot of racists out there that their whole tune changes when they have a grandchild. And I'm not saying I'm using this as a tactic to, to, to trick my mother into liking my wife and this, this, and this, but you know, I mean, I want to have a kid anyways, but I, I I would prefer to have one that's at least one that's mine. I can adopt the second one, but at least for me, the first one, I would like to go through the surrogacy. I don't think I'm rich enough to get four or five out of surrogacy. I ain't got that kind of bread. <laughs> I ain't that fucking rich. I'll barely be able to afford the the, the, the one because uh, that shit's expensive from what I understand. I saw like a 2020 special on it where it was like they had people, they were doing it in India. And they were like paying like thirty, forty thousand dollars for Indian women to do it, and it apparently it's like a lot more for Americans. Yeah, I think there's just a lot that's unknown, and and uh, it's both on the actual medical, technical, technical aspect, but also just kind of mm-hmm. what would it mean to you know, in this case, the prospective mother, um, you know, and and I also think of again. This is me just being way in tuned with uh, racial equity <laughs> these days. Uh-huh. I don't even know the racial identity, but I think that um, you know there are there's a history in America around eugenics of wanting mm. to eliminate certain minority, and they're trying to do that with trans people. They're trying to make sure trans kids can't be their authentic selves, or at least figure out if that's even who they are. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to legislate that, so. Um, I also think about that, that, you know, it's important if someone wants that genetically similar child to be able to be like, hey, like, what's the concern? Can you help me understand? Because this is important to me. Mm. For sure. 
So um, that is all the questions we got. I know we went through quite a few. Oof. And yeah. I thank you, internets, and everybody on the internet for contributing, men and women. And uh, to the folks that, you know, we didn't get to your, we didn't, your question didn't quite make the cut. Sorry, I did read it. You weren't just completely ignored, but we had to kind of keep this under two hours. So <laughs> we're getting close to that now. So, um, yeah, but I, I thank you so much, Lita, for joining us. And, yeah, um, you know, definitely. we'll we'll have you back on later. And I think it'll be, uh, there'll be more people on. Uh-huh. So there will be more voices and we will be taking questions from the audience live. And uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. This was a very controlled it was. setting here. And, you know, because things just have a way of getting fucking crazy. Absolutely. It was an experiment, right? And and I think you you also said there might be some uh, questions in the inbox or something. Uh, I checked it while you were answering the last question and nobody emailed. Okay. Um, But... You know, please look out for the next time. I will I will solicit more comments. Um, like on all the men like us platforms. We are I'm on Instagram. Let's see if we got any banners for that one. So you can follow men like us on Instagram, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter. Um, you see at the bottom, follow us on subscribe to YouTube, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we are also streaming right now on Twitch. So if you're on Twitch TV, um, subscribe, you know, give us a sub, follow our, follow the, the the streams. We will be streaming a lot more to Twitch. Um, we're going to be doing some more gaming streaming to Twitch. Um, my friend Audrey is going to be doing some streams with me. We're going to be doing some dope ass chill sessions while gaming. Um, actually, we're trying out uh, Google Stadia. By the way, it's kind of fun. It's cool. It's a decent. It's a decent platform. Um, but yeah. So we got we got a lot more content coming up. We got our regular Friday show coming up. I haven't figured out what we're going to talk about yet, but it will be fired. <laughs> something's going to hit. Something's going to something's going to move my soul, and then we're going to be off to the races. We will yeah. be off to the races. So, um, but yeah, uh, Lita, if you can tell everybody where they can find you, that would be great. Yeah, um, good question because I definitely came here as my therapist self to contribute in that way. So, um, you know, you could definitely, I mean, you want to know about the kind of services I offer, which I could really only provide therapy services to individuals in California. Mm-hmm. And I have, I'm fully booked and there's a wait list. Um, but, you know, again, if, if you want to reach out for that, um, my website is my first and last name, litavala.com. And yes, it's always under evolution because... <laughs> Life's always changing and, and you know, terminology in the trans community is always changing. Let's not ever get stuck on one thing. We should always be growing and learning. Mm-hmm. Now, those of you interested, kind of um, my interest in the film and screenwriting, um, I am on Instagram. And uh, my handle is stories feed my soul. And it's all separated by a period. So stories, period, feed, period my period yeah i guess period is a popular word i just i just just wanted in there here i'll pull it up for everybody real quick so we'll just we'll we'll, we'll get this done so you guys can see 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 the page so you know that you have the right one yeah don't 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 send to someone else's cash out by mistake because oh um, there you go 
but um, but yeah, so, and this is more for screenwriting. A lot of activism stuff has really become a big part of it. Um, but yeah, feel free if you want to follow. I haven't been posting much. Um, yeah, so important people, important causes. Check it out. Thank you. For sure, for sure. I, I give everybody an opportunity to promote themselves here. So, and uh, we will be it. doing some more promotion, another interview. Yeah. Uh, of uh, we have a I have a trans entrepreneur that will be coming on the show, Ooh. and we will be promoting her brand, and you know, getting the story behind how she started it, why she started it, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I like supporting when 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 whenever I can, even on even in a space for men. Uh, Absolutely, you know, fellas. Was it adore me? Do more. Yeah, adore me cosmetics. Was that what it was that, that I need was to check my out? First one. Yeah, adore yeah, me, adore me doll cosmetics. Adore me doll. Okay. Yep. Shout out to Sean. Um, cool. But yeah, so everybody, please, if you have any questions about anything, comments, questions, things you want me to address in the show, mm -hmm. please DM your questions to the Facebook page, the Instagram account, and then or you can email this email address right here. Men like us podcast at Gmail. I am always available. I will respond. Um, and you know, I'll see what I can do with 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 what you're sending me. So, you know, if you if you have something that you think we should be addressing on the show with the guys, whatever else, I'm happy to take all ideas and, and concerns. Um, and then you can also follow me on Clubhouse at MLU Chris, and like us Chris, and Big Chris TX. Those are both of, uh, I have two clubhouse accounts, just in case one gets canceled. <laughs> the other one's right there. So please follow them both. And um, with that, I think that's pretty much it. So I will see yeah. all of you on Friday evening for our regular guy talk um, sessions. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We need more subscribers on the YouTube channel. Uh, we got some video game streaming that's going to go on the YouTube channel as well. So check that shit out. We got some we got some dope interviews coming up next week, too. So um, get on there. Subscribe. Hit the little bell to get notifications about us going live, all that stuff. Sorry, I got to promote my own channel. But yes, please, please, please join us and subscribe. Um, I will see all of you on Friday as per usual. You have a good week. Make, make it through the week. It's only Monday, but I'll see you later. Thank you.